Hello and welcome to another BCLA podcast. My name is Luke, the CEO of the BCLA. This is the first podcast of 2021 and we'll be building on our series from last year. Really excited to um, deliver a whole new series and hope you're looking forward to it as well. Today's podcast explores how clinical care services have had to adapt during the COVID-19 pandemic in optometric and hospital practice. It actually serves as a prelude or a bit of a teaser for our forthcoming webinar, A Brave New World, where our presenters discuss the adjustments that have been made to ensure that practitioners continue to deliver a credible service. Our webinars are available to VCLA members and can be watched live or recorded, and we hope to see you at the next one. For non-members, don't forget that you can join the BCLA today by going to our website. Our presenters are two council members, Anka Barria is a consultant ophthalmologist specialising in complex corneal, refractive and cataract surgery based in Birmingham Midland Eye Centre. He's joined by Rakesh Kapoor, who's a qualified optometrist with just under 30 years experience. And he currently runs three pain stores in Northwest London. So how are you doing, Anchor? then? Um, um, how's work been for you throughout this year? I've got so much to talk about. I'm sure you have as well, Rakesh. Yeah. What do you think of the title then of Brave New World? Do you think this is a new Brave New World? Then? It's, it's a very good title because it's very relevant to the world we live in today. I think um, we are in a pseudo dystopian time at the moment and hopefully things will get better in the future. But I think these type of webinars really help support our, um, uh, our audience with the practice that we've been experienced to and what we've learned from our kind of experience. Um, so, yeah, I think the title is very apt. Yeah. You know, um, in primary care um, on the high street, I tell you now, um, uh, we had so much uncertainty, um, you know, being being sort of individual businesses. Um, I'm so glad now um, the way things have moved on that we are deemed as being an essential service and we are now open. But come the first lockdown, nobody really knew what had hit them. And I'm sure you found that in your uh, sort, of, sort of work as well. Nobody knew what, what, what hit them, you know, uh, uh, this lockdown, what it actually meant. And it's really took a little while for the professional bodies to give us correct guidance to do that. Did you find that also in ophthalmology? Uh, yeah, we, we definitely found that. The thing was, was there was so much uncertainty about the uh, the COVID, as we call it now itself, that we didn't know what entity it was and how it would affect us long term, whether this was a passing thing. And then when the reality dawned on us, then we realised there was so much to do in the secondary care setting. Uh, there's so many things to think about, not just dealing with COVID itself, but also dealing with eye services. So I think having this discussion about how you and I have both Kind of developed our uh, our own services and what experiences we had would be really useful. Um, the first thing I'd like to mention actually is um, how soon into the COVID situation did you start wearing PPE? Well, in the, in the beginning there was no advice on it, so you know in March, uh, early March, yeah. um, uh, uh, you know the, 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 there was talk about PPE, but because of the lack of PPE um, um, that that what uh, was in the UK, um, it, there, there, there was no advice about us wearing it. And, uh, and for that reason, uh, I know of a lot of my colleagues uh, who, who uh, unfortunately did end up having COVID as well. And it was really probably not until um, the latter part of spring, early summer, that, that the, the advice had, did come out with PPE. 
to be fair, since then, um, you know, we, uh, um, it, it's very clear what the expectations are. And, uh, and wearing masks, aprons, gloves, wearing face shields now, now is a must in practice. But, uh, you know, um, uh, and, uh, but the, uh, apart from hand hygiene, that, that was it in the early, uh, early start, start, uh, start of it, because we really didn't know where this was going. Yeah. Was, was that the case with you as well? It was. There's so much emphasis on infection control, uh, even before COVID uh, hit, especially with um, infectious diseases that pass through hospitals. And the issue with infection control is, is that um, with COVID, you had to be ultra, uh, uh, ultra cautious. So you, even like wearing gloves uh, during examinations, which we never used to do before, unless there was a high risk patient, even having these breath guards, uh, which uh, we had um, initially um, uh, kind of mocked up with plastic sheets that we found in files. So it was initially a, a very makeshift um, kind of uh, situation where we had to use what we had available to us um, and then kind of learn as we went along. So, you know, there'd be one consultant saying, oh, I've heard about this from here. I've heard about that about from there. And also the interesting thing was the experience that some uh, doctors who have worked in other countries, such as Hong Kong, have had with other previous virus uh, infections and how they kind of learned from that. So you find from places like such as Hong Kong, they're much more uh, apt to be able to kind of dealing with such a breakout or such a pandemic. So yeah, SARS, it, didn't they? And yeah, it was. Yeah. And that yeah. that that really like kind of hit home about how important it was to wear even wear masks, because initially there was a lot of kind of uh, uh, kind of different views about whether we should be wearing masks or not. So there's a period at which in clinics we would be told not to wear masks initially. So you see a year on, things have changed so much. We see masks being worn uh, every day of our lives, all the time. Outside people, patients are telling us like they're sick of wearing masks. They find it difficult to breathe and they just can't wait for the day when they could take them off. So, so do, do, do you, has your service changed in any way? Um, I, I suppose, um, I, I, how was it in the first lockdown? How was it then when we, things were relaxed? And then obviously now that we're in lockdown three, how, how, how are things now for you? Um, I think there's going to be a lot of things that we have uh, in common in terms of our experiences in primary care setting and community versus yeah. secondary care. But I think the problem that we've had really is, is that we're limited by several things. One thing is space. We haven't got the space. One thing, I mean, another thing I'm going to focus on is the limitation of the number of people we could have in one department. And as you know, ophthalmology is a really high volume, high turnover you know, it's one of the busiest outpatient departments in, in, in almost every hospital. So it's really difficult from that point of view. And even with the technology that is available, we don't necessarily have it. And furthermore, with patients um, having COVID, uh, we also have staff, don't forget, who have COVID as well. And we have staffing issues. We have redeployment issues. So it, it's almost like a never ending nightmare. Yeah. We, we found in the first lockdown, um, uh, uh, pretty much we had to adopt um, um, using technology to see our patients because really the message was very, very clear. The, the, our professional body had, had, had said really we were in sort of red, which pretty much meant we shouldn't really be encouraging people to come out, to come and see us. And on that basis, using video technology to, 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 to actually serve our customers 
um, uh, and our patients is what we have to really adapt. It was quite difficult, but I must say um, the way the way you go about um, um, doing a consultation or, or finding out what what a patient would need um, was very very different. Um, in in the presentation on the second of Feb, I, I will ex uh, uh, share with, with 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 all the viewers um, on that presentation on the sort of numbers of patients that I did do video calls with and what what type of conditions that that uh, I was dealing with. Yeah. Obviously, there's always that worry also of backlog as well, because, you know, you have patients who are due for, for appointments for, 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 for routine, but may also be, for example, our contactless database does need the, to be served as well. So, again, adapting um, to using technology as much as possible um, was needed really so that there wouldn't be such a backlog. Now, when, as soon as the first lockdown was done um, and uh, we, we, you know, we moved from red to an amber stage, according to the co college's classification, yeah. and patients could start coming in as long as we triage them. I, I, I must say we had a bit of a pressure cooker situation because we had lots and lots of um, uh, patients who hadn't been seen and, and obviously needed to be seen. So um, we, we were really, really busy. Yeah. And then obviously comes the second and third lockdown. Um, we're, we're back into that sort of stage where really by triaging them, by, by, by using technology, we're, we're, we're a little bit more now aware of how to deal with our patients. But still, um, I, I'm, I'm dreading the time when, when things open up again, because when they do, I can see another big rush. And I'm sure you're going to get the same thing as well, because obviously you're, you're, you know, with routine stuff um, of how you've been dealing with it. It'd be interesting to, to know how, 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 how you're planning for that as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's this situation where you have um, uh, some kind of ideal that you think about. So we have all these discussions, all these conferences. We talk about what we should have. Uh, we talk about all the new technology that's come out. But on the shop floor, the issue is, is that a lot of this is either not uh, financially viable, especially on the NHS. Um, there's a lot of ideals that we try to work towards. And in reality, that might not happen. We might get days when loads of emergency patients come in. And, uh, you know, we have to kind of manage and prioritize. And unfortunately, in this day and age and this moment in time, it's all about prioritization. And I agree with you, Rakesh. I think the worst is yet to come, to be honest, for, for secondary care is managing all these um, kind of backlogs. We've got huge, huge backlogs. Um, it seems like one lockdown after another. So uh, ultimately, when, when the dust settles, as people say, uh, then we'll have to see what we could do about eye services because at the moment, um, as we deal with the COVID crisis uh, and as we uh, put ourselves into further lockdowns, um, eye services in general are suffering. In terms of corneal, uh, I'm going to focus on the webinar on the corneal aspect of things and the contact lens aspect of things. But there's things that we don't kind of think about automatically, which we, we, we do. I mean, we do need to raise uh, contact lens related infections. Um, what our experience has been in a major tertiary center, I want to talk about that. Uh, and then looking at um, uh, things such as keratoconus. So contact lenses and keratoconus go hand in hand. What happens with these patients who are progressing, who either have been put on the list for cross-linking or um, have got contact lenses, but don't realize they're progressing. Uh, so these are silent things such as glaucoma that we have to deal uh, with. So it's a, it's a scary time at the moment, but um, I think we could learn from uh, kind of experiences that we have, have uh, as I've said already. Uh, and the other thing is that make, uh, kind of using community services as well, because we're limited by technology. Um, I mean, you mentioned about the video conferencing. We yet haven't got that fully in action. And uh, there are some hospitals which may have video conferencing, but we're still in a, a limited phase of what we could do virtually with patients. Um, ideally, we'd like to be able to see patients 
completely virtually, get all their tests done. You can't really do much with cornea just by speaking to someone over the phone. And unfortunately, speaking to someone on the phone might be reassuring for both of you, but it's not reassuring in terms of what is actually going on with the cornea. What's actually, what are you actually treating? How do you manage a patient in that situation? And then there's communication problems as well. So you know, not every patient is able to pick up the phone or use something, uh, some new technology to be able to speak to us on, online. So we need to look at that as well. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's a new world that we're, we're we're facing at the moment. Yeah, and and and, and you know uh, the thing is, um, is there you know what is the end going to be? Unfortunately, um, you know what they're saying uh, in particular about viruses. Uh, you know we're, we're still probably going to get flare-ups, and this is something that we will need to adapt to. And 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 really, um, when it comes down to the services that we offer, um, you know, uh, have, unfortunately having to prioritise. In my point of view, we're triaging patients and prioritising patients uh, of ones that we're actually seeing and the ones that we can do remote if we can see them remotely um, is, is, is what we is what we're doing but you know the question always in the back of your mind and, and, it, and it really needs to be there because we're there for our patients let's face it that's, that's, that, that's why we are where we are and um, ultimately are we offering them the service that they deserve and the best service that we can and 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 and, and that's why I think um, I, I I personally I felt technology um, uh, is is a solution of uh, you know uh, I'm, I'm I'm relying a lot more on my my OCT, for example, and I'll yeah. tell you now, you know, I was never taught how to do an OCT. I've had to train myself. <laughs> I've gone through a lot of these online courses and I've started to read a medical, you know, medical retina to understand how an OCT works. And I've just invested in a topographer. So, I, you know, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be knocking on your door for yeah, some yeah, time. Sure you <laughs> look at some topography scans if, I, if I'm, I'm a bit unsure about it. But, but you know, uh, uh, what's previously, obviously seeing everybody, uh, the way I was working was very, very different. So, 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 so it's quite interesting how things are moving. Moving on, um, are you finding any changes of technology in your sort of work, work environment? I think you touched on something really important there, and this is why we're doing this webinar together from two aspects, is that I think I'll be depending a lot more on you as well as you depending on me in terms of managing patients together. And the crucial thing is that we will probably most likely depend on the community to give us information um, when you need to discuss something with somebody such as myself, we're there available to kind of liaise and discuss management of the patient. I don't think it'll be a case anymore in the future where, you know, you'll be seeing something which you feel needs to be seen by an ophthalmologist or somebody and just sending the patient through. I think it'll be a case of where there'll be a, a couple of barriers before then and we'd depend on technology for that. Yeah. And I think the technology will probably have an uprising more in the community than in the hospitals in the immediate future. I think it will depend a lot more on community services to, to do this because it saves the patient having to travel, having to go to a different uh, hospital, which actually, uh, this is nothing I'm gonna touch on. A lot of patients actually are really worried about going to a hospital setting oh, because yeah. actually are worried about catching something there and then they regret ever having gone in the first place. So it's a question of, we have a vital service as a group of professionals, we have a vital service to maintain the well-being of the patient. So the well-being, a big factor is their vision. Uh, but then when patients have to weigh up one thing versus the other, do I get, do I, do I put myself at risk or do I get my vision sorted out? That's where we have to like kind of lower the anxiety levels and allow alternatives. And I think this is where, you know, the joint, Kind of process is so important well you know i, I really do hope um that uh, people who li are listening to this podcast do make an effort to be available on yeah. um 
the 2nd of February to actually listen to our presentation. I'm, I'm hoping you'll find it very, very interesting, but if nothing else, um, you, know, you, will, you will see what uh, um, clinicians in, in primary care and secondary care are actually doing. I, I, I wouldn't say necessarily I've been cutting edge, but, uh, and, but then again, I'd love to share um, you know, what I've been through and, and what, how, how we are delivering uh, our, our services to our patients, because that's what we're there for, really. Um, and, and anything for you, Anka, before we cut the call this podcast at the end? Yes, Rakesh, I'm just really looking forward to meeting the audience on the webinar and uh, getting their experiences as well of the last one year's events. And I hope this has been a taster uh, that's um, enticed them to come and join us. So, so from me and Rakesh, we look forward to seeing you at the webinar on the 2nd of February. The BCLA has a wide range of membership benefits and services. If you'd like to find out more and get access to our amazing educational program, including conferences, webinars, online courses, please take a look at our website, www.bcla.org.uk. There are a variety of membership options and you can access to all of these benefits within moments of signing up. Look forward to seeing you.